All test suites start fast, but as you grow your set of tests, each test adds a little bit of time to the suite. What can you do about it to keep your test suites fast? Some things like parallelization are applicable to many domains. What about, for instance, Django applications? Well, Adam Johnson has thought about it a lot and is here to tell us how we can speed up our Django test suites. Welcome to Testing Code. I am thrilled again to welcome back Adam Johnson. Hello. Thank you for having me back. So if people, for some reason, don't remember who you are, a contributor to Django, involved, heavily involved with the Django community. And uh, anything else that we forgot? I like tea and drama-based music. Yeah. Okay. And uh, tea. What kind of tea do you like? Right now, I'm drinking a Japanese tea called Kukicha, which is actually made from the twigs of the tea bush. It's really? my low-caffeine evening drink. That has some caffeine. Like a tenth of the caffeine of normal tea. Okay. I'm going to have to look that one up. I've never heard of that. And I, I kind of thought I knew everything about tea. I hadn't heard of it till a few months ago, and now it's, uh, it's quickly become a favorite. Okay, I'll have to try that out. I got into uh, oolongs many, many years ago. Anyway, we were going to talk about speeding up Django tests. Yep. Indeed, that's the title of my book, Speed Up Your Django Tests. Yeah, so you wrote a book on it. You care about so much about this that you wrote a book on it. Maybe I also just know so much about such a narrow problem. <laughs> yeah, okay, so let's talk about that. You've worked with Django a lot. You do that. You said you uh, remind me again, do you, do you do that professionally? Do you work with uh, Django and consulting with companies and stuff? Yeah, I'm like a solo consultant with my company, AWS, Adams Web Services, and I'm working on... <laughs> How clever uh, of you, AWS. <laughs> I, like I always write it with dots. They can't sue me because there are dots, right? <laughs> <laughs> Adam's web service. Uh, so you, you work with Django a lot and speeding up Django tests. So in your experience, are there a lot of Django suites that are slower than they need to be then? I think, yeah, it's a bit of a boiling frog problem, right? Like it, it, as you're working on a project, you add more features. The test speed slowly increases maybe beyond linearly like you know it might be a some fraction times the number of tests you have and that fraction increases over time as you add more features perhaps it's like a n squared style problem even um, so companies can very quickly find themselves with a half hour test suite that really drags out any kind of development okay uh, i would actually um i'd be thrilled with a half an hour test suite but uh... <laughs> Half an hour plus. Yeah. And then it just grows from there. So with like Django and software, it seems like more of a pure software thing. So I say that because the test suites I'm working with, the reason why they're slow is because they're working with hardware and there's, and there's some parts of that. There's some parts of it that we can speed up and then there's some parts of it that there's just nothing we can do about it because the, the time of settling time and stuff like that. But with, with Django, it's software. There's something, if you're working Possibly, I guess, if you're working with a browser, there, there's some slowdowns with task switching and stuff like that. But for the most part, we think of it as just software. It should be fast, right? So what are the bits that, how do we bite this? What are the bits that make the suite slow and, and what do we do about it? Right. That's obviously the broadest question possible. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, we could, we could be yeah. more specific if you want. I could, I could try outline. So 
I have a whole chapter on parallelizing tests. I find that's um, a fairly easy thing to add, especially the younger your project is, that some projects um, don't take advantage of. You can do this outside of Django as well, for example, in PyTest with the PyTest Xdist plugin. Then there's the whole idea of moving from disk to memory. Even with like the best SSDs, you can normally do go 10 times faster for raw operations by using RAM. And Django projects uh, sometimes take advantage of this by switching their database to SQLite. But I've got a technique to use with any of the major databases, Postgres or MySQL, where you can tell Docker to use RAM for the drives for those containers. Um, other ones mostly to do with how the code is actually structured. Yeah, the dist actually the parallelization is totally cool, and uh, I would actually I'm surprised at how that seems like tricky with something that works with a database. So are there are there gotchas with that? Can you do parallel testing with the database? Do you have multiple databases or something? Or? Multiple databases is indeed the solution. And Django's test framework and the PyTest Django plugin both will kind of create the base database as the test start and then copy it into each of the sub-processes running tests. So they all isolated in that way. Okay, that's actually very cool. I want to tell you about a really amazing sponsor I'm partnering with. Monday.com is an easy-to-use, flexible, and visual teamwork platform that powers teams to run processes, projects, and build custom workflows in one digital workspace. Beautifully designed to manage any team, organization, or process online. Monday.com powers over 100,000 teams' daily work, and they just launched a contest to build apps that will be included in their marketplace launch. You can build an app that can improve the way teams work together on Monday.com. Whether it's an app to help marketing, construction, sales, software developers, or anything in between, they are looking for creative, impactful, amazing apps to feature in their upcoming apps marketplace. They're giving away $180,000 in prizes, including three Teslas, 10 MacBooks, and more. Have you ever dreamt of building an app that impacts the daily lives of hundreds of thousands of people? Well, now's your chance. Check it out at monday.com slash test and code and start building now. That's monday.com slash test and code. So it does sound like a lot of the uh, hangup is around the database interaction. Uh, then with the like the disk to memory because the uh, I mean Django itself's not really doing disk the there must be the database right yeah there's a bunch of layers the database is the main one people often will throw in a cache server like Redis and that Redis actually will write to disk if it's in persistent mode and then you've also got Django's file uploads which yeah they're not used in many views but if you're using them you can go a lot faster by pushing them to memory instead of writing out to disk every time. File uploads, you can you can save those to memory. That's cool. Wow. Yeah, all sorts of tricks in here. So I definitely, if it, uh, I could see the benefit. We weren't intending, I wasn't intending this to be a complete ad for your book, but I don't mind it either. But it sounds like it's a no-brainer for people to go try to, try to speed up their uh, tests with these techniques. Any uh, sort of metrics that you've seen? Like if you, if I had a, a typical Django test suite and I, I don't know if there is a typical set test suite, but let's say I had one that was running a half an hour or something. How much time do you think we could squeeze out of it? Yeah, so that's actually been my experience. The first test suite I worked at optimizing was at my job at YPlan, and it was a team effort. We were hitting 30 minutes, and we we're like, this is too slow. 
especially since we didn't have a very good CI setup. So developers were regularly running the tests on their own machines. So they'd go for lunch or something. Um, so after a few months of effort, we pushed it down to three minutes. So that's like a 10 times speed up and a massive boost. Yeah, that's great. One technique that I use, so we have, um, I, I talked about instruments. We Developers seldom run, just run everything. We leave that up to our CI system. And so developers themselves run. We have a, the test suite split up into into sections for roughly the different uh, types of things that you are wanting to test or the different parts of the system. So mm-hmm. if I know I'm te- uh, working in a particular part of the system, that part of the system is what the, the test suite I'm going to run. And even down into specific tests around more specifics. But to have just like a, hand, a few minutes uh, for a test suite for the thing that I'm running. I assume that you, we, can, we can do that with Django as well, right? Yeah, it kind of naturally has that for you already because you typically split up a Django app into multiple apps, Django apps, they're called. So that would be a, like a self-contained portion of URLs and database models and the tests for them. And it can still get slow if you're testing a single app. Though. Okay. Yeah. Well, we don't want to give away the book, but can we uh, give away a few tips? Any uh, good... Sure. I've been posting a few up on my blog. Um, Parallelization is really the first step. I have a chapter on it, but you can get started straight away by passing the parallel flag to the test runner. You might have some isolation problems when you do this because you'd be splitting your test suite across multiple processes. If you had any non-isolated tests, you could track them down by using randomization or reversal, as we discussed in the last episode. Yeah. Yeah. And... uh, yeah, from then on, parallelization should work pretty well. Okay. Yeah. So parallelizing some of that. And then how many do you usually do? Do you spe- have to specify how parallel or does it do that automatically? Yeah, both with Django's test framework and PyTest Extus. If you don't provide a number of processes, it will use as many as you have CPU cores, whether they're virtual through hyperthreading or like actual physical cores, depends on your actual machine, but that tends to be a good number to use. How about database size? Do we need to care about, I mean, do I, do I normally test with a, a like a copy of the live database or just a, a smaller database? What's your recommendations around that? Yeah, that's a good question. There are a lot of different practices here. I think the easiest is that you run your migrations, which should leave an empty database around, and then you populate the data as needed per test. But some shops will be taking a copy of the production database may be anonymized and cut down, and others will be using a lot of uh, Django fixture files. The fixture files system, like it exists in Django's test framework, but it's kind of recommended against, has been for many years because it's basically storing your database in JSON. It becomes pretty hard to maintain over time. Okay, so tell me more about that. The 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 fixed. I've heard of Django fixtures. They're mm-hmm. different than PyTest fixtures, right? Right. And they're just a, a JSON file that has a you don't write the JSON file, though, right? Or does Django do it for you? Or? Well, you can author them if you want to match the format, or you can load data and dump data from your database, whether that's your production or development database, into these files. They do support YAML instead of JSON, which makes them maybe a little bit easier to edit. The problem is really like ongoing maintenance. Okay. Like you might dump your user model at the start of the project, and then each time you add a field, that's required, you're going to have to go edit all the fixture files that refer to it. 
to add that field in for every instance. But let's okay. So let's say I did like a, a copy of our system database. That's our live database and did whatever randomization or anonymization that I needed to to make sure that there was any no security problems or no like um, a breach of uh, you know usernames and things like that. Mm-hmm. That seems like a. I mean, it, I guess it depends on your database size. Is that even a workable thing to do? It seems like that would slow down things dramatically. Or are there ways to do that and have it not be slow? I haven't seen a way that doesn't become slow over time. Even if you're loading 50 megabytes of data, that's a significant amount of IO before you start running tests. And then there's a maintainability problem because you'd write tests that depend on some data that exists in your production database. You can't see what they depend on directly by reading the test. You have to figure out all the different queries it runs. If production needs to change that data for some reason, then your tests break. It's not a fun position. So uh, what do you recommend then? Do you recommend using uh, fake data then instead of um, live data? Yeah, absolutely. You can start your tests by writing out all the pieces that you need. Like you say, I might need a user in this group with these permissions and then move towards factory functions, which I guess are somewhat what PyTest fixtures can solve for you. That will, uh, you say, give me a user and it automatically fills in the necessary fields for you that you didn't specify. You can write these factory functions by hand or you can move on to uh, something like Factory Boy, which I'm a fan of, which provides a declarative base for filling in any kind of data model with pre-filled data, sometimes randomized. Thank you, Datadog, for sponsoring this episode. Are you having trouble visualizing bottlenecks and latency in your apps and not sure where the issue is coming from or how to solve it? With Datadog's end-to-end monitoring platform, you can use their customizable built-in dashboard to collect metrics and visualize app performance in real time. Datadog automatically correlates logs and traces at the level of individual requests allowing you to quickly troubleshoot your Python applications. Plus, their service map automatically plots the flow of requests across your app architecture, so you can understand dependencies and proactively monitor the performance of your apps. Start tracking the performance of your apps, sign up for free, and install the agent, and Datadog will send you a free t-shirt. To get started, visit testingcode.com datadog. Does um, the use of uh, PyTest or unit test matter? In terms of performance, uh, no. I think PyTest might have like a, a very small amount of extra overhead to get started, but it can also help you write faster tests because it's slightly cleaner style using fixtures and making them shared. Yeah. But overall, you can make you can have a fast test suite using either. Okay. And there's is there a way there are there ways to uh, so I'm used to things where if I've got I guess uh, with the database. Is there a way to share a database scenario with uh, multiple tests or is Django like building up and tearing down the database for every test? Django does some smart things for isolation that can be copied in other projects. So its default test case class uses a transaction per test and then rolls that back after the test is done. So any modifications you make to your database will automatically be undone and they cannot affect another test. So you get isolation there at the test level. And then it's gone one level beyond that uh, per test class, you get a, a transaction as well. So you can set up some piece of data that's needed for every test function in the setup class. 
or there's a Django specific setup test data function. And then that can be shared. So this is like a PyTest module level fixture automatically undone in the database. Wow. Mm-hmm. And can I utilize that that sort of a feature in both unit test and PyTest? That sort of thing available? Yeah. So when it comes to running Django test suites under PyTest, I actually recommend still using the Django unit test based classes because you can write the plain asserts, but the helpers like this per test and per class transaction, they're just not available with a safe PyTest plain function tests. Okay, that's cool. That's an interesting uh, interesting way around it. Neat. Mm-hmm. This is all very interesting. Anything that we missed that we want to cover? Mocks. Oh, mocks. Scary. Big topic. Shocking topic. <laughs> yeah, tell me. Tell me how, what, what your recommendation is around mocks. What would you think it would be? I don't know. Always use them everywhere. Oh, no, definitely not that. <laughs> yeah, so the... I have a chapter called Targeted Mocking, which goes over some of the like theory of what mocking is. And then there's like the two things that unit test.mock is doing. One is allowing you to swap out attributes of arbitrary objects. And the other is providing this catch-all mock class that kind of does everything. And the first part, that's perfectly fine. We do need a way in Python to swap attributes during tests. It's a great way of changing how things work for a test scenario, but the the mock class itself, that's what can lead you into loads of problems. It's very easy to write tests that they pass, but they're not actually testing anything because everything's been swapped for mock objects. So I covered a few different more targeted mocking libraries that can provide you with the speed boost benefits and the isolation benefits without any of this problematic behavior of the mock class. So for example, there's requests mock, which is a great library for mocking out the requests library and faking what responses you would get if you were actually making real HTTP requests. There's my library Time Machine and also Freeze Gun, which are great for mocking out what the current time is, which is quite a common need for testing. What else is in there? VCR.py, which is another way of mocking out requests. Okay. Yeah, and, and a couple more. These are mocking requests. Do I? Are there times where it's a, it's reasonable to? Mock the database, or do we do that? Is that not a thing? Mocking the database. I don't think it's easily done with Django's ORM. And the ORM is really focused on like writing SQL and then getting the database to figure out the answer. So anytime you mock what that answer would be, you're not really testing the SQL generation side. So you might as well like just not have a database during those tests and maybe refactor your code. So it doesn't need the database, like separate the business logic from the actual saving to the database. Maybe. Okay. But I mean, if we, we already talked about the memory stuff. So if we, yeah. if we wanted mocks for speed up reasons, we could just move to an in-memory database. Right. You can probably get 30 or 40% speed boosts using an in-memory database in reality, like the actual disk operations speed up, but not much of the other stuff that happens in a database, like networking and SQL parsing. Yeah. It's actually, um, I was surprised at how, for instance, I was surprised at how uh, fast. I had a test suite that I was testing a plugin, PyTest plugin, and um, it was uh, just an in-house thing. But I was writing, just writing little tiny files to the disk to be able to run them. Every little test was very small and very fast. And so I didn't really think about it. It's one of those boiled frog things. Mm -hmm. By the way, I'm thinking of a pragmatic programmer when uh, the 
has the boiled frog story in it. I'm not sure where you got the analogy from, but uh, uh, if anybody there, I think it, it floats around in many different places, but I do remember reading the pragmatic program. So. Yeah. And I was just curious. It wasn't like the, tel- the entire test suite was pretty fast. It was just a few seconds. And I was like, yeah, it's, it's probably, but, but I am touching the file system. I wonder how, how much of this would speed up. And it, and it was un- actually an unreasonable amount of time for me to, it probably, if I would have thought about it more, I could have done it quicker. But switching all the rights to a uh, kind of a, a fake in-memory file system and then running there, it turned out to it like dramatically improve the speed. It was the entire test suite was like instantaneous almost from, mm-hmm. but it was like, you know, from seconds to instantaneous. So for my time, it wasn't worth the effort, but it is interesting that it uh, does make quite a bit of difference. I think that's a, a lot for people to get started with. And, and even just thinking about doing a few of these things to speed up a test and even just think about test speed as something that you almost never care about right away. And then you almost always care about later in the project. So thinking about it early on, maybe uh, instead of getting to the point where your test suite is uh, problematic, and if you were, if you're starting a project that you think might have a chance of lasting a long time, definitely thinking about speed early on is a good thing. And if you're working with Django, I highly recommend they speed up your Django test book. I've been reading it. Actually, I've been reading it to learn uh, as a tutorial for Django as well. I know that was probably your... not the greatest Django tutorial, but it probably it, it can we would give you a test oriented intro. Somewhere. Okay, so I've got like a, a meta question for you. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people writing Django. Most of the people writing Django are also writing tests, but you seem to care about this aspect of uh, of working with Django, make getting the tests right more than your average Django developer. Is there any reasons for that, or are you just a uh, think it's a genetic thing with you or something maybe i've got a few battle scars at this point from code that didn't work in production and late nights spent fixing it okay and yeah i think testing also was something i wasn't really taught at university and when i got into industry everyone was doing it and i was like oh teach me more about it and then I've, i just kept going yeah interesting i had the same experience of not well actually i had a, as an experience of not learning it very much in in college, I know it's still a problem of people not really talking about that too much. I'm not sure why. So much for test first. I think maybe we should start programming classes with teaching kids how to test before they mm-hmm. learn how to code. I don't know if that makes sense. but Well, thanks uh, so much. Thanks for your effort. Thanks for coming on the show and also your efforts with Django and uh, with uh, trying to make testing more pleasant for all of the Django developers out there. Thank you very much for having me again. Thank you, Adam Johnson, for talking with us about speeding up Django test suites. Thank you, Datadog, for sponsoring. Check them out at testandcode.com slash datadog. Thank you, monday.com, for sponsoring. Join their contest at monday.com slash testandcode. And thank you, all the listeners that support the show through Patreon. Join them by going to testandcode.com slash support. All of those links, as well as a link to Adam's book, Speeding Up Your Django Tests are in the show notes at testandcode.com slash 135. That's all for now. Now go out and test something.